Welcome to episode 22 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios where it's cold, it's wet, snow is in the air, and once again, and most importantly, it is a victory Monday. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Thank you for tuning in. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome aboard. I hope you stick around. You keep coming back for some more. I really hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I did. It was great to uh, spend some time with some family, watch football, and most importantly, eat. And eat like an absolute animal. I know I ate too much. Uh, I hope you did the same. I know Friday, I just kept eating leftovers. I think I had three plates of leftovers, um, copious amounts of pie, apple, pumpkin, uh, Boston cream, chocolate chocolate pudding pie, magic bar. You name the dessert, I probably had it um, over the last three days. But I want to thank Thanksgiving for motivating me to get back in the gym because after my third dish of leftovers, I said, you know what, I got to make a change. This is unacceptable. I cannot keep eating like this, so I signed up for the gym. I've been there ever since, so things are starting to starting to look a little brighter um, for myself. With that being said, though, I am also thankful for the Green Bay Packers and for the fact that they got back in the win column on Sunday, defeating the New York Giants 31-13, improving to 9-3 on the year. Definitely a good way to bounce back after the beatdown that they received in San Francisco two weeks ago. And in just a few moments, we'll dive deeper into the the win against the Giants, the good, the bad, all that stuff. And also, I'll have my Week 13 headlines. So, let, let, you know what? Let's get right into it. So, after completely getting demolished by the 49ers, completely outplayed, out, outcoached, everything. They, they were horrible in that matchup. Just a week earlier, Green Bay needed this game in the worst way. They needed this game to to bounce back, to gain some momentum, to regain some confidence. And I thought they needed to come back and dominate in convincing fashion against a really bad team. I mean, it is what it is. The Giants are a terrible football team right now. The Giants are one of the worst football teams in the NFL, so what better way to get back in the win column, what better way to get the momentum rolling again than facing some bad team, facing a bad team in the New York Giants so, did they convincingly bounce back? Maybe. I think the answer is maybe. They did a lot of good things. They did a lot of poor things. And you look at the scoreboard, and you may be saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? 31-13. And don't get me wrong. They still won the game. They did what they had to do. They leave New York 9-3. and They head back to Lambeau. They have another easy opponent next week in the Washington Redskins. But was this convincing enough? I, I really don't think so. I mean, let, let's be honest. This was a 17-13 game heading into the fourth quarter. This was a game that was much closer than it had to be. Okay, this is a game where Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and the offense decide to go up go on 4th and 10 with about 4 minutes left in the 3rd quarter. Now luckily they converted. Rodgers hits Geronimo Allison. He makes a big play. Finally Geronimo Allison makes a big play. Holds on to the ball. Aaron Rodgers stays in the pocket. Gets hit. Geronimo Allison holds on. Extends the drive. Results in points. 
But in the event that Green Bay doesn't convert on that fourth down, there is a good chance that at that point in the game, momentum is already swinging towards the Giants' favor. You don't know what happens with a quarter left to play. I mean, that's 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 the reality. You really don't know what happens next if Green Bay doesn't get that fourth down conversion. Now, we, we could sit here all day and play the what-if game. But even though the score ends up being 31-13, it was a much closer game for majority of the game than it should have been. And the Packers, I thought, started off pretty well. First two drives, two scores. But that things just fell out of place. And we'll talk about more of that in, in the bad section, but let's start with the good. So with the good, my number one thing, this, go, this goes to a guy who I think we could officially say is the number two wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, and that's Alan Lazard. And here's a guy who had three receptions for 103 yards and one score. Huge play, huge diving play early on in the game to set up a touchdown. But you could really start to see, it's clear that Rodgers, each week that that passes, Rodgers is very comfortable with Alan Lazard. And the chemistry is there. Because he, out of all the wide receivers not named Devontae Adams, continues to get reps, continues to be on the field, continues to make plays when needed. Over the last few weeks, Alan Lazard has been showing up. Now the stats may not scream it, and this is the first time you look at the stat sheet and you're like, yeah, he definitely showed up. But overall, he is playing his way as the number two wide receiver. And at this point, I put him ahead of Geronimo Allison. At this point, I put him way ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Which, if I would have told you that at the beginning of the year, you would have thought I was nuts. Because both of those guys were supposed to have big years, and that's not happening. So kudos to Lazard, and I hope this is a trend now. I hope we continue to see him being involved more and more in this final month heading into the playoffs. I hope it's not a, okay, he had a big game against the New York Giants. We don't see him again until the Minnesota Vikings. I hope that is not the case. Number two, staying with the wide receiver group, Devontae Adams. It was his first multi-touchdown game since week 10 of last season. Both of those touchdowns uh, this past week coming in the red zone. So now he has 29 red zone touchdowns since the start of the 2016 season. Most in the NFL during that span. Again, first multi-touchdown game of the season. And even though Devontae missed those four games with the turf toe injury, he still leads the wide receiving core in receptions. He's still clearly Rodgers' number one guy. And I think this is a perfect time for Adams and Rodgers to get going, especially for Adams. This is a great time to start playing your best football. You head into the month of December, bring that momentum into the playoffs. Three touchdowns over the last two weeks, his first three of the year. 
we know Rodgers wants to get Adams the ball as much and as often as he can. I think we're going to start seeing that more and more. And it only makes sense for Rodgers to be able to get the ball to the best offensive playmaker that this that this team has. Now, I mentioned it off the top, speaking of Geronimo Allison. And Geronimo Allison is not getting in the good section at all. And he actually had his name written down on the bad section until he makes that fourth down, that fourth and ten catch. Because once again, Geronimo Allison dropped a, a third, I believe it was a third down pass right through his hands, almost hit him in the face. The only thing that's been consistent with Geronimo Allison is each week he comes up with a big drop. So, I th- so I th- the fact that he caught that ball on fourth down, that saved him. And I think that actually saved what Packers Twitter and the Packers universe thinks of him. But he needs to start being more reliable. Otherwise, he won't be on the field. It's simple as that. Defensively, I think defense belongs in both categories, good and bad. Um, But the reason why they deserve to first be in the good section is I thought they did a great job of taking advantage of a young rookie quarterback and forcing him to make mistakes, capitalizing on those mistakes. Green Bay accounted for three interceptions this week. And that's what you need to do when you're going up against a young, inexperienced guy. Darnell Savage, Kevin King, Tremont Williams. Okay, that's what you need to do when you're playing against a guy with inexperience. Now, even though Green Bay wasn't able to get a single sack in this game, which was kind of surprising, they still brought the pressure. They still were able to hit Daniel Jones Seven times. Five of those times, by the way, came by, came from, of course, the one and only Zadarius Smith, who is having a stellar year. I mean, at this point, forget about Pro Bowl, All Pro. He he deserves to be in that conversation. He has been absolutely instrumental to the Packers' success this season. There hasn't been a single week where I could say, "Wow, Zadarius Smith, where that? Where were you?" Each week, you could pencil him in for being good because he wreaks havoc. He gets after the quarterback. He gets by who he has to get by no matter where he's lining up. If he's lining up over the center, the guard, the tackle, he's all over the place. So even though the Green Bay Packers were unable to get a single sack, they still brought the pressure, they got Jones flustered, and they forced turnovers. I've been saying this so often. When the defense forces turnovers, when the defense gets after the quarterback, this is such a better unit. Now, you still saw at times their flaws. You still saw at times their flaws. They got out, the, the, the Giants' offense outgained the, Packers, uh, outgained the Packers' offense. So is that on the defense or is that on the Packers' offense? They struggled still against the tight end position. All right, the rookie tight end, Caden Smith, had 12 receptions, excuse me, six receptions for 70 yards. This isn't some superstar tight end. I mean, this is the first time I've even heard of this guy. 
and he was productive against the Green Bay Packers. You're going to be going up against tight ends. You gotta have, you're going to have to figure this out. You got, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to play the San Francisco 49ers again. How are you guarding a guy like George Kittle? And we saw what George Kittle already did to the Green Bay Packers. You know, we saw sometimes, yeah, Kevin King comes up with, a, with an interception, but we also saw him get turned inside out. Now, yeah, he had a tough matchup against Sterling Shepard. So Jari missing some tackles. So there's still very little things that could improve to make this unit overall better. But I thought the fact that they were able to get after Jones, force turnovers, that was good. Another honorable mention, and and I, I may actually change this from an honorable mention to a good, is J.K. Scott. Yes, the punter deserves to get mentioned here. He deserves to get some recognition because despite the rain, despite the snow, the, the terrible conditions in New Jersey. Yes, the New York Giants play in New Jersey, for those of you who don't know. Um, Scott had three punts in Sunday's win and averaged 46.6 yards per punt. And this was the first time since week seven since Scott averaged over 40 yards a punt. Earlier on in the season, we were talking very highly of J.K. Scott and his ability to boot the ball down the field, flip the field position, and the Packers were able to rely on their defense to make stops or have force a team to go 80 yards. Not easy to score seven. Or go 60-something yards, 50-something yards to get to possibly get three on the board. He also had two of those punts down inside the 20. Flipping the field position is everything. And Green Bay continues to struggle when it comes to the punt return. So the least that they could do is when they have to punt the ball away, is to make sure that other teams aren't having big returns. So J.K. Scott, even though not a lot of people pay attention to the punters, pay attention to the kickers, it only seems like they get recognized when they make a big kick or they miss a big kick or they mess up a punt or boom a punt. But it's the little things that go a long way and the little things that are going to be very important come down the stretch. All right, and seeing him do this in the weather conditions, that says a lot. Because he hasn't cracked 40 plus yards, an average of 40 yards, 40 plus yards per punt since week seven. It's been a while. So, despite the conditions to do that, that is a good sign for J.K. Scott. All right, on to the bad. Not much, but a few things. Number one, and I think this is the most important, inconsistency with the offense. Right when you think things are working and the offense is flowing and this unit has momentum, things become stagnant, things become stale, and you're looking at the screen saying, what the hell are they doing? You see the Packers score 14 quick points, and then you see them score three points over the next two quarters and it just doesn't make sense right you see Green Bay start off so well and then you have six points through the three excuse me three points through the second and third quarter right a perfect example Alan Lazard only playing 55% of the offensive snaps 
play the kid. He is making plays on a consistent basis, keep him on the field. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel here. Now, I'm not saying every single drive needs to result in points. I wish. I think things would be figured out with the offense if that was the case. But how do you go from scoring 14 points quickly to then only scoring three points in the next two quarters? The math doesn't make sense there. And it's not like you're going up against a team, a playoff caliber team that made proper adjustments. You're going up against the New York Giants, who are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. So I think this is a combination. I think here this inconsistency falls on Matt LaFleur. Where things get going, and it's not pedal to the metal. It's kind of like, step back, let's try something different. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think that's where he gets himself in a little bit of trouble. Another area that struggled yesterday, running the ball. And I was shocked by this. Why did Green Bay struggle on the ground? 26 total carries for 79 yards. They just average about three yards per carat against a Giants run defense who is in the bottom 10, bottom 12 maybe, in the NFL. Not a a run-stuffing team. Jamal Williams, 10 carries, 41 yards. Aaron Jones, 11 carries for 18 yards. Jones struggled big time in this game, and I know he got banged up. He went to the medical tent to receive some, some treatment. He got evaluated. He ended up scoring, but then it got taken back for a penalty, of course. Great snow angel celebration. He always seems to uh, have the best celebrations that always get called back. But I respect it. He goes through it. He goes through the entire celebration, and then he ends up coming back. It gets a call back for a penalty. Can't make it up. But he struggled a lot. And and part of me, part of me wants to believe that he was banged up, and that's why he didn't play as well as he usually does. And despite playing poorly, he got enough yardage. I think it was about thirty, nothing to brag about, to get him over that century mark, a thousand total yards on the year for the first time in his career. So kudos, Aaron Jones, who's been instrumental on this offense. But I don't know if Green Bay didn't. give the guys enough of an opportunity to get going on the ground or they saw how well and part of this may it be maybe a combination you see how well Aaron Rodgers is and how he's slinging the ball in the conditions and you just keep riding that but I, I thought the run game would be a little bit better and that, this is something to keep an eye out because we're in the month of December the weather's not going to get any better especially if you're playing outdoors you're going to need strong support from the offensive line and a and a good run game. That'll win you a lot of games down the stretch. Third down efficiency. Green Bay overall as a team, better third down efficiency. But it felt like a lot of the times they got, them saw, they got themselves caught in third and longs. Still. And Matt LaFleur has been saying this for weeks now. They got to do a better job at getting themselves in better position. They got to do a better job at minimizing the third and longs, because the third and longs aren't obviously aren't as easy to get as the third and shorts. I mean, it's it's base it's very basic to understand. 
they're putting more pressure on themselves by not getting yardage on the earlier downs. And sometimes it's frustrating because it, it'll, it'll be second and, second and seven, okay? And Rodgers drops back and throws a 30-yard bomb down the field that's incomplete and now you're in a third and third and long situation third and longer situation than you would like where he could have probably dumped it off for a few yards and just picked up picked away. I think at times that's an issue. Going for that bigger play rather than just adding some yards. Listen, the bottom line is you leave New York, you get a win against a bad team, you get back in the win column, and next week you return home to take on the Washington Redskins. Who are another bad team. And you should be able, especially since you're home, you should be able to beat the Washington Redskins with ease. You shouldn't struggle. You should be able to get through these two games. You got through one of them, get through the next, and you got 10 wins. And you finish off the season in the home finale on the 15th against the Bears. And then you're on the road against the Vikings and the Lions. And that Vikings matchup could be everything when it comes to the division. Because right now, the Vikings sit at 8-3. and three. They play Monday night against Seattle. So if Green Bay and, the, and Minnesota continue to go win for win, that week, week 16 game, that's going to mean everything. Now, before I let you go, my week 13 headlines. Let's start with the New York Jets who dominated last week at home against the Oakland Raiders and come back this week in Jets fashion, lay an absolute egg and lose to the winless Bengals 22-6. Jets become the only team to lose to two winless teams. That's pathetic. Adam Gase, you're pathetic. Way to get your guys ready for this one. The Tennessee Titans, they go into Indianapolis and dominate 31-17. Adam Vinatieri, the veteran kicker, continues to struggle for the Colts, but the story in this one, production from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a workhorse, and they continue to give him the ball. 149 yards on the ground, one touchdown. Move over Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. The resurgence of Ryan Tannehill has been pretty special for the uh, Tennessee Titans, who now sit at 7-5. and five. He's a game manager. He's making plays. He's not making many mistakes, and the Titans are winning. Ryan Fitzmagic and the Miami Dolphins take down the Eagles. 37-31 at home. Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. 365 yards, three scores, two of those scores to Devontae Parker, who had over 150 receiving yards. And now, as if you're an Eagles fan, you drop to 5-7 and seven after the loss. Philly's season is holding on for dear life. I mean, the NFC East is a dumpster fire, and that's the only reason why the Eagles are still somewhat alive. But the way that they've been playing a loss to the Dolphins, you can't believe that this team's going to run the table and win the division. What a disaster of a year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's head to Pittsburgh where the Steelers beat the Browns 20-13. A lot riding on this game after the Mason-Rudolph-Miles Garrett fiasco just a couple of weeks ago. But Baker Mayfield, he gets hurt. He turns over the ball twice. Delvin Hodges is the starter for Pittsburgh. He leads the team to victory. 20-13, the Steelers win. 7-5, Steelers. They had no Juju. They had no James Conner. They were missing people. They've been missing people all year, but they continue 
to, to rely on the defense. Another big surprise this week, the Washington Redskins. They beat Carolina 29-21. to They go into Carolina on the road and take down the Panthers. Darius Guy still running. He only had 10 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Let's be honest. Ever since uh, the Packers beat the Panthers in that game, that this team hasn't been the same. Kyle Allen making some terrible mistakes. Just overall, could this be the end for Ron Rivera and company there? Another week, another loss for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who now dropped to four and eight after losing to the Buccaneers, twenty-eight to eleven. Peyton Barber two scores for the Bucks. What happened to Nick Foles, man? The Jacksonville Jaguars thought they were getting possibly a franchise quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. What is going on? He gets banged up. He comes back. The Jacksonville Jaguars can't win a game. And it, it was so bad yesterday on Sunday that the Jaguars benched Foles and brought Minshew Mania back. Jaguars are falling apart. Possible Super Bowl preview in Baltimore where the Ravens beat the San Francisco 49ers 20-17. The weather was nasty, but that didn't stop Lamar Jackson. And every time I mention Lamar Jackson, I need to say that I was wrong about Lamar Jackson. He threw for over 100 in a touchdown. He ran for 100 and scored a touchdown. And Matt Stover hit the game-winning field goal as time expires. This is an exciting team. Both of these teams, very, very exciting. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a Super Bowl matchup. Two great defenses, two prolific offenses that could get going. Bad weather and all, Lamar Jackson has been special MVP caliber year for sure. The Rams dominated the Cardinals 34-17. Big bounce back performance for Jared Goff. He needed that one. The Rams the Rams are going to need to win out. And they're going to need some help if they want to make the postseason. It is a long shot. You have the 49ers in that division. You have the Seahawks that are playing excellent football. Another Super Bowl contender. The Rams got to finish real strong. It's a new era in Denver. Drew Locke in his first career start throws for only 134 yards, but two scores early on, and that was enough to beat the Chargers 23-20 to despite, despite being down. All right, the Chargers go down 14-0. They crawl back but fall behind and fail to take the lead too much, too early. Is the Phillip Rivers era over in Denver? That is something to continue to watch as as we play this last month of the regular season. The Kansas City Chiefs, they absolutely demolished the, the Raiders. 40-9, Raiders on a two-game skid. Chiefs getting hot at the right time. And finally, the Houston Texans take down the mighty New England, New England Patriots at home, 28-22. Watson, four touchdowns, and way too much to handle for the New England Patriots. Is it time to start panicking if you're a Patriots fan? I don't think so because of how much success you've had. And if you get in the postseason, which you will be getting into the postseason, it's a completely different Tom Brady, uh, Bill Belichick. But this is the first time in a long time where you clearly see the flaws in this team. Who is going to take down the Patriots in the postseason? That is what I will be looking for. And those are my Week 13 headlines. Now, I didn't talk about the Thanksgiving games because at this point... You know what happened in those games, so only the Sunday games. Monday night football, you got a good one. Seattle against the Minnesota Vikings. 
This is a big one. It's a huge one for the division. If Seattle wins, Green Bay gains some ground on the Minnesota Vikings. If Minnesota wins, Green Bay and Minnesota continue to exchange wins. So we shall see. It'll be an exciting one. And again, I think it's going to come down to that Week 16 matchup. So that will wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. I will be back later in the week to preview Green Green Bay's uh, game against the Washington Redskins. So make sure you tune in. I'm hoping it's been a while since I've had a guest. So I owe you. I owe that to you guys. So I will try to get a Washington guy on to preview the matchup. Also, my picks of the week, which I believe I went one and two. Not a great week. I apologize. But thank you so much for listening. Remember, subscribe. You can listen via Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those great podcast platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, go Pack Go.